no, or is no, the, no, haunting the, of Hill House I'm a book? the haunting of Hill House. Huh. That's what I'm saying. I, I didn't know that that was a book first. So I didn't know she had anything to do with. It's book. been adapted to film twice. So oh, really, no. 1999. And then and then it had a Netflix series. Yep. So. <laughs> and I had no idea that she even wrote. I think it was the one with Ryan Gosling. Right? Oh, no. I honestly didn't even know there was anything before the Netflix series. I'm going to be totally honest. Liam Neeson is in it. Totally misinformed on The Haunting of Hill House. But I'm glad Shirley Jackson wrote something else. Anyway. Howdy. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Okay, howdy. Welcome to our discussion on the lottery and Harrison Bergeron. This show is called Between the Chapters because we're reading short stories and not actual books this time. Um, I'm Justin. I'm Pierce. Yes, he is. And I'm Vic. And we all read the same thing this time because this is what this show's about. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Does anybody want to go over, like, how should we, what order should you, do you want to do this in? Uh, Well, I think we should, sure, I think we can do the lottery first. Um, I think we should also say, you know, welcome to anybody who might be new. Uh, if you're unaware, the way that this is different from our main show is that in our main show, we all read separate books or works. We Some of us still read short stories, but most of us read full books and we all read different ones. Um, in this show, we pick a handful of shorter stories relating to our theme, which is banned books this month. Um, and we all read the same ones and discuss those. Um, so yeah, I mean, we can jump straight into the lottery if you want. Um, okay. Um, do you have a detailed summary of it? Cause I forgot to pull that up. Uh, I don't have a super detailed summary, but I but mean, it's, it's very simple. All right. You don't look at just the top of our heads. All right. So basically there's this village, um, and they're all getting together and we don't know what for. They're just having some nervous chatter. They're talking amongst themselves. Their family, their families, men, women, children, they're all talking about saying, oh man, the lottery, it's terrible. It's absolutely a horrible thing. We should abolish it. Some people are like, oh, come on. It's a tradition. They make an offhand reference about a, another village nearby abolishing it. And they're very stalwart to their tradition. So they're like, we're going to continue through it because this is what we have to do. And you don't know what the lottery is for. You know that they pick out names out of a hat or a box or whatever. And these are names. And you really don't know what it is. Um, there's this, there's a rowdy crowd that keeps on going, no, not me, not me. But um, eventually the, the crowd starts thinning. This woman who is very adamant about not being picked and having other people suffer gets picked. And then it's revealed at the end that it's a lottery for death um and dun, dun, dun. yeah i should have probably emphasized that more <laughs> um, but yeah yeah it's stoned i would say that's that's generally uh it um the the only things i would say to kind of uh change what you said a little bit is it's it's a much slower build than that. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. at first, everyone's kind of nervously sitting around talking. The children are playing, um, and then you know the the person who runs it walks in, and they all start paying attention to them. Um, but nothing's super weird yet. They're just all nervous, and then like 
people start talking about, mm -hmm. oh, this other town abolished it, and, but they don't say that it's like a terrible thing. They're just like, maybe we yeah. should, maybe that would be better. And then the old man is like, cr they're crazy. They're listening yeah. to the young people. They're yeah. getting rid of this tradition that's been around yeah. since before I was born. Um, and then uh, I believe it's one person per family polls. And then after the that person in the family polls it, then they all of the people in the family pull, pull yeah. the lottery tickets. Yeah. And then one person from that family is picked. Ah. Yeah. Okay, that's. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah, but it was, um, but it was it was a woman who was very much adamant about not wanting to be picked. Who who got picked? I so. yeah. and Carla. I like. I saw it um, kind of in a different light when I was reading it because uh, her name was Tessie. I kind of read it as how um, the old man was very adamant about keeping the tradition, but then Mister Summers and everyone was talking about how oh we should change the box. The box is different. The box, we need a new one. Or we used to use wood chips, now we use paper. And how Old Man Warner was talking about how if they got rid of the tradition, then it could ruin the harvest for the un mm. upcoming year. And I kind of, I didn't see it as her wanting other people to suffer. I saw it as her trying to be the voice of reason and like the moral compass of the group being like, why are we condemning people to die for our crops? You know, mm. when there are other towns that aren't already doing this. And then that's why Mr. Graves, the postman kind of got rid of all the other white papers and only put the spotted papers back in the box when she went to grab it and that's why she was condemned to die to kind of silence her and silence her voice of reason which is why i think like that and harrison bergeron combine well together mm. <laughs> yeah um this is one of the few examples where i think the iceberg theory of literature <laughs> really does work in its favor because it builds a lot of yeah. tension because mm. you don't know what this exactly this lottery thing is you don't yeah, know until the very end yeah until the very end but you, halfway through i started to guess like oh Wait, I think I know because I don't know what the ending was. Apparently, it's really famous. I don't know the ending, so very good surprise for me. Um, I was like, "This is definitely about death." Halfway through, mm -hmm. but like it did, it's very implied and subdued until you know, until the very end where they get stoned. They, they, they don't even explicitly state it. They just say they start throwing rocks at her, which obviously will kill yeah, her, right? Yeah. Eventually, yeah. I mean, um, if you throw enough, she, yeah. It's it's very chilling too that this town I, they just I think the the slow build is really you know it's um, it's really in the favor of the story like it's very chilling how they're all standing around I think in one paragraph they they describe the scene as like any other event that goes on the in the village any yeah. festival yeah any, anything like that and it's 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 pretty much the same um, but then towards the end they all turn on one person who lives in the village with them. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's just really chilling how quickly they turn on, turn on each other. The, yeah, the exactly. one person. Yeah, and it was scary because there was, I think it was the Dunbar family in the story, how the husband had a broken leg, so he stayed home, and the wife pulled for him, and how the wife kept just telling her young son, like, when you know what's happening, run as fast as you can. Because if she got a black dot, they all would have ran to the house to stone her husband to death. 
Mm-hmm. Damn. That is hardcore. Well, I forgot about that part. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I just I just read it a little bit ago and took a bunch of notes, so I'm looking at all yeah. of them now. I read this weeks ago, um, so it's not really fresh in my memory. But yeah. I did reread it like a a couple um, like a couple days after that, and I found out that um, like I, I just realized like Tessie's son really also kills his mother, which is yeah. kind of interesting because they hand Brutal. him the stones. Hardcore, isn't it? Yeah, Pretty and metal. think about think about how in the beginning all the kids are like playing on the blacktop on the last day of school and they're all collecting stones and like the smoothest and roundest ones and putting them all in piles. Like they think it's a fun game. They don't realize the lack of morality and the barbaric nature of it. Wow. Yeah. That I also didn't pick up on that. This story has a lot of depth. Yeah, it's uh <laughs> huh. it's it's kind of... I got very anxious reading it. Um, anxiety. I could feel my heart rate going a little bit higher. I'm like, oh, this is a story that I want to find out how it ends. And Vic, I, I know that um, we don't usually talk about this, but you texted me earlier saying you thought the story was eh. Dry. Can you explain that, yeah. please? Of course. Yeah, really. I, I didn't like how ambiguous Shirley Jackson made it. I didn't like how it was a story that, yeah, I liked how the tension built and I liked the slow build of it all, but I didn't really like how she kind of left everything up to the reader to kind of put together. She never makes anything blatantly clear, like how the end is. And she doesn't explain why, like, why is the old man still existent? After 77 times in the lottery, his family's never got picked once and he's never had to suffer once. What's going on with that? Like, who is Mr. Summers? Why does he have this moral authority over everyone else? Like, I get that maybe it was very intentional of her, but based on other readings that are very similar to this kind of story, comparatively, I thought that it was rather dry and done before. I don't know that it's been done before. And I think that the reason that she doesn't go super into depth on that is because it's not, the idea is not that there's some, something else going on where somebody has control over this group of people. This, I believe they even talk about how Mr. Summers, maybe I'm wrong, but I believe even Mr. Summers takes a slip of paper. Mm -hmm. Um, it's it's really about how random um what's the word uh, persecution or uh, oppression no. can be like if you really think about it um for you know persecution and oppression in the real world it's really random to what yeah. like what you're born as what what gender what sex what race so it's it's really random in what society, in what time, in what uh, body you're born into, whether or not you will be persecuted. So yeah. I feel like that's really what she was focused on rather than the idea that in society, some group has control and is perse- persecuting people, uh, mm-hmm. which I think personally is something that isn't really done a whole lot in stories like this. Yeah. So did we do any research on why this this was banned or controversial? Uh, I... I, I I actually did a little bit. Um, it was banned in South. The one thing that I found that I thought was really interesting was that it was banned in uh, apartheid era South Africa. 
um, because uh, the theme, uh, the main theme really is don't blindly follow tradition. Um, and that's kind of what apartheid that is. Yeah. So uh, it even says in the article that I read that ja- that Shirley Jackson was glad when she found out it was banned because they at least they understood the story was not saying nice things about blindly following tradition. Hilarious. Yeah. Um, oh. It says in 1981, there was a film version of the story released in Minnesota that was banned in Forest Lake and then reinstated by the U.S. District Court judge. For like the same exact reasons that no one wanted to like see the whole blind faith aspect, but I didn't read it in that kind of lens. And now that I've heard what you said about it, I kind of realized that it was intentionally slow and intentionally mm-hmm. left kind of open because it wanted us to choose our own thing to follow with it at the time the story ends. Yeah. I, I also think that the at least the the tradition part I feel like was certainly front and center with um what was his name the old man um, old Warner. man Warner Warner's yeah where he was constantly talking about how all of the people who abolished the lottery were crazy fools they listened to mm-hmm. the young people and yeah they need the the lottery so that the harvest will be good. Yeah. Yeah. It reminded me a lot yeah. of like the Twilight Zone. Like, you know, yeah. just like an episode, like a snapshot into like something surreal. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. Uh, it also reminded me, uh, this is kind of a tangent, but um, it reminded me of a short story called, um, oh gosh, I, it's like The Ones Who Went Away from Omelas, uh, which is an excellent short story. It's very short. I recommend it. Um, it's basically about a society that is um, basically utopian. It's utopian for everyone living within it, um, except a child has to be constantly tortured to maintain the utopian aspect of it for everyone else. Mm-hmm. Um, the child lives in a in a little box, and basically, the reason that this reminded me of that is because we're just in that story. It describes a perfect society um and there's little inklings mixed within about how the society isn't really perfect uh little mentions of of you know this thing or that thing that is a little when you look deeper at it is a little fishy but um then kind of towards the end of the story they say the 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 author says like then why would uh people want to leave why are people leaving omelas and then they go in to explain this the reality of the situation yeah dark that is pretty dark yes uh but i do recommend reading it it's in my opinion one of the best short stories i've ever read it's only four pages i just looked it up and i will be reading (laughs) yeah it's a it's it's a short story it's like about utilitarianism is and if that's like good we're not morally okay. I'm definitely gonna read it. Um, yeah. I mean, does anyone? Do you guys have anything else to say about the lottery? Um, no, I do not. Except that I really enjoyed it. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it's. It definitely it doesn't overstay its welcome. It's pretty short. It's kind of to the point. Was uh, this everybody's first time reading it? 
Yeah, it's my first time. I I have had not read it before, but um, we did mm-hmm. we did projects my senior year of high school, so a couple of years ago now. Um, we got spoiled for yeah. Basically, we did projects over short stories and the authors behind them. Um, in my AP English four class. So somebody went over this one and spoiled it for me. <laughs> oh, well, you know what the story reminds me of? It reminds me of Harrison Bergeron. Wow. Mm. What a segue. I know. I, I couldn't. <laughs> I this was is like, one of my, one of my favorite short stories. It's I, I, don't, I Kurt Vonnegut. He's been author. I've been mean to read. I haven't read any of his works aside from this one thrice. This is my third time reading it. And really, um, yeah, because it was in my high school English book. Mm-hmm. And I just read it a- again a couple minutes ago before the show. And then I didn't actually did a reread because I'm like, hmm, maybe let's see what happens. Did I pick up on any details? Spoiler alert. I didn't. Um, <laughs> Damn. Um, so what is the story about? Let's summarize it. Um, so it, there's this couple and they're watching the TV, but there's something very strange about this couple. First off, it's set in the year 2081, where there's a couple of amendments that got passed, and now we're living in a very equal society. So equal that you can't be competitive with another person. You can't display your traits um, if they are deemed superior. You have to wear baggage and or um, if you're more intelligent, you've got to, you know, have a horn or uh, this collar thing that blast noise to dispel any competitive or intelligent thoughts and um the most interesting interesting thing about this couple is that their son um was jailed or prisoned for being very abnormal and abnormal by the society is being an absolute chad because while they were watching the tv this ballerina of this really terrible display of dance um it gets hijacked by Harrison Bergeron, their son, and um, he takes off his mask saying, hey, guys, look at me. He's like a seven-footer, so he would squash me. Um, he's very attractive. Um, he's very athletic. He's unprecedented in the amount of limitations and handicaps he has. And he goes up to the camera and says, hey, everybody, watch this. He gets a ballerina, starts dancing. He flies up in the air and um, it's shown the camera. But eventually, he gets shot. The ballerina gets shot. Everybody's sad. And um, things return back to normal because the couple didn't care. They they barely paid attention to the dad. The couple didn't care. The couple just didn't have the, in a, didn't have the ability to remember the murder of their own son. Yep. Sad and tragic. I have so many notes on this one. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. I mean, the first the first time I'd seen anything about this is I watched the uh, the PBS short like six years ago in school. Um, Yeah, it was like it was that was pretty good, too. But I I didn't watch that in preparation for this. Um, I think one really interesting thing that I found out while trying to do some research on why it was banned, I actually found out something else um the short story is basically um Kurt Vonnegut explained it as equality out to its like a natural conclusion 
um, if you if you just take equality as the most important thing that a society can strive for, this is that taken out to that to its own natural conclusion, um, which is equity. Equity being the uh, having similar outcomes. Um, the so the 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 thing that I read it was um, an article on somewhere. Uh, it basically talked about how it was um, kind of the ideas of equality from socialism and communism, that being like just equality, equality being the most important thing to strive for, um, everyone's abilities and uh, everything should be the same. And uh, But it took an aspect of American society from the 1960s which was that um, the McCarthyism uh, mm -hmm. was heavy, heavily influenced this, where um, I want to say it was just all of the people. Gosh, now, 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 now I'm like floundering. <laughs> I was going to bring up this really great point, and now I can't remember. Um, maybe I have one of those transmitters in my ear. Oh, man. Maybe. <laughs> uh, <laughs> um, good one. He, I believe it was compared. I believe it was compared to actual when Harrison Bergeron actually came out onto the stage and he was shut down very quickly. Um, and when he was taken away from his home and sent to prison, um, McCarthyism was very much about anyone who has like a different ideology than us should be shut down, mm -hmm. um, regardless of you know any situation. Yeah, and that's shown plainly in how Diana Moon Glampers, the second that Valerina and Harrison reach the air and reach the ceiling, she shoots them both point blank in the head, and then it just snaps back to reality, and it's like no one ever saw anything, and no one ever realized what was going wrong. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it was made out to... Because I, I, I don't think it's supposed to take this literally with them actually flying. I think it's supposed to be poetic. Like, mm -hmm. or oh, yeah, maybe you could, like yeah, the like beauty of freedom, yeah, like that scene on La La Land, yeah. Um, but they're like just floating up and it's so magnificent, and graceful, and the beauty of it just doesn't resonate with anybody, or at least with the couple, the parents. And that's the biggest tragedy of it all, or in this, no, I wouldn't say that's the biggest tragedy, but you know what I mean. It's sad that no one gets to see the beauty of it, mm -hmm. um. This story was also mean spirited as hell. It's you like, think? Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, obviously, it's you could tell that um, he didn't really hold anything back. I was like, oh man, if it was, I'm not saying that. I, I know that someone's about to say something. Don't cancel me over this. It's just like, yeah. He certainly thought that equality should not be society's number one priority. Yep. There you go. Um, That's exactly. And you can really tell. He kind of, I would say, Hazel kind of becomes the butt of this. That yeah. she's kind of like below average intelligence. She's not smart. She doesn't really have a lot that's that special going on with her. Doesn't she not have like really any? Um, yeah, she doesn't need any handicaps really. Right. The lowest of the low. Right. Oh, Jane. Hazel kind of becomes the butt of of his whole tirade here against mm -hmm. equity, um, 
she's like the lowest of the low in this society has brought her up by dampening everyone else who is special. Yeah. Kind yeah. of like Diana, because she also didn't have any handicaps as well. Oh. I think so, at least. Dang. Is she in it for that long? She's not Diana. Um, she's the handicapper general. They right. don't when they oh. describe her, they don't describe her with any sort of weights holding her down or anything. They just say that he sh she shows up, shoots him, and that's or maybe it. Maybe it wasn't important to the story. That it could also be um intentional, basically saying that the people who are in charge are above this like above whole, it, yeah. Above the whole like equity based society that they've created. That is oh man, we're like that is digging really deep into it. Maybe it's like yeah, maybe it's because well, you also have to think that um, the time that Kurt Vonnegut grew up in, and I guess up until now, yeah. the societies that claim to be totally focused with equity, those being states like the Soviet Union, um, those haven't exactly had governments that have totally bought into the way that they yeah. want everyone else to live. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Okay. <laughs> um, okay, I guess I'll go first. Um, Kurt Vonnegut, um, famously was a World War II veteran. Um, he, I, I don't remember what battle she survived in, but like he survived like some firebombing, and that really distorted his like perspective on the world, and mm -hmm. the being became a little bit more mellow for him. So, that's something to take into account for. Um, it's very cynical. Um, yeah. Most of his works are, which is why um, one yeah. of his short stories, um, it's in his copy of Welcome to the Monkey House, which is a collection of his short stories called A Long Walk to Forever, is one of my favorites of his because it's, you read it and you really don't realize it's Vonnegut because it's the most, I don't know, it's very romantic, but not mm. in a cynical way. Was it also him that wrote To Be or Not To Be? I think. I think so. And that's that's for everyone listening who doesn't know. It's two the number two, the letter B, the letter R, zero as in not, and then the number two and the letter B. Uh, yeah, it was it was Vonnegut. Yeah. Yeah. Huh. And I wrote in my yeah. notes for Harrison Bergeron that um, the handicaps make it hard for them to question the strictness of their society and how a blanket intellect and physicality does nothing to promote growth and only exists because of the higher governmental power not truly being able to be the best of the best, that it's a fear-mongering society fighting for equality while also not realizing anything that they're truly fighting for. Um, I, also, I also think it's important to point out that this is another... Um, early to mid 20th, 20th century dystopian author who mm -hmm. is writing about the dangers of television and technology. Um, yeah. Authors who wrote about like, you know, Orwell and, and um, Huxley constantly wrote about how television and radio and all this new technology was going to be used for propaganda and we had to be careful with, with it. Um, it, it, it would be able to distract us from what we really need to be focusing on. And, and that is really what Vonnegut hits hard on in these like six pages yeah. that 
the the TV is just a distraction for uh, the Bergeron, George and Hazel Bergeron, to yeah. keep them from actually questioning anything. Yeah, because they're crying at the end of it because they, if somewhere deep within themselves they realize that they just witnessed their son be, being murdered, but since it's on TV, it's not it's not real. He's also like thirteen or fifteen or something. Yeah, he's like fourteen. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I don't have anything to say. Do you know why this book is banned? Uh. I feel like this is like the the book that's a right to be banned. So this, so this one, I know. The, th- the it was very hard to find anything. I actually tried. Um, the most that I could find for sure was that it was challenged a lot in schools because of the violence towards the end, um, where you know the fourteen-year-old and his now wife empress woman were shot with a shotgun. Um, I couldn't find much about banning or challenging because of the ideology. Um, if it was, I, if it was banned for that, I feel like that would have been somewhere in another country. I feel like uh, the American ethos is kind of on board with Vonnegut's uh, message here. So, yeah. So I just found an article um, about how books, schools in New York and um, New Jersey have a list of 50 words that they'd like to ban from standardized tests and readings, and that list includes words like Halloween, divorce, and dinosaurs. And Harrison Bergeron apparently has a lot of words that fall under that list, and that's why it's been banned. Huh. Yeah, words like abuse, alcohol, birthday celebrations, bodily functions, cancers, catastrophes, celebrities, children dealing with serious issues. So I guess like the murder of a 14-year-old boy. Probably (laughs) would count as a child child dealing dealing with a serious issue. (laughs) Yeah. I don't have anything else to say um, about it. I, I, I did say my say. I said the ultimate joke about Harrison Bergeron being a Chad, and I think the <laughs> podcast peaked there. <laughs> I compare. I compared and contrast both stories. Ah. Oh. Um, um. One thing. One thing that I noticed that I thought was extremely interesting because I read these one after the other was, yeah, um, both in both stories. One in which it's specifically critiquing uh, tradition and and the past, and or blindly following tradition and blindly following the past, and one in which it's looking to the future and what we might focus on going forward. Um, both are claiming that if we do away with the system that they that has been implemented, we're going to go back to the dark ages or to being cavemen or something like that. Um, it's interesting that that's the claim for, it seems like that's the claim for the status quo. That's what both authors are trying to claim that, are are trying to say that people are going to claim if, um, you challenge this society as it is. 
I also thought it was interesting from like a societal standpoint that both stories, their voices of morality were both women in Tessie and Hazel. Yeah. Like the moral compass and like the voices of reason that were pointing out all of the wrong things within the society were both well, women Hazel, who were persecuted for it in a way. I agree that I that I think Hazel is kind of the moral compass. I don't think I don't I don't think I read it that um Tessie was. She claimed a lot that it wasn't fair at the end, but she was also the victim. And I feel like anyone victimized by the lottery would probably feel like it wasn't fair. Um, yeah. there were, I believe there were other people who were also, who were saying that maybe I'm wrong, but I believe there were other people who were saying that, um, the lottery was abolished in other towns. Yeah. Yeah. But that, that's just not how I read it. If that's how you read it, maybe. Oh yeah. I mean, I kind of also thought that it was very intentional that Shirley Jackson, made Tessie the one to die at the end because she was the one most outspoken about how morally wrong it was. And, like, it could have to do with how unfair she thought it was because at first it was her husband who was supposed to die. And then she died instead. Well, I, um... Yeah, no, I just looked it up and it wasn't it wasn't her that was talking about the northern village giving yeah. up the lottery. Um... I I also don't think because she would have known how the lottery worked. She would have known that it wasn't necessarily her husband who was going to die. It was just going to be someone in her family mm-hmm. um, when that was picked. I just think I just think that she maybe she probably did have qualms with it to begin with because she's the only one in her family who speaks out. Um, yeah, but I don't think that she's the total moral compass because she only speaks out when she starts getting victimized by it. That's true. Uh, I I agree though that Hazel is, which I think is a, is is a very interesting um, moral compass for the story because she's supposed to be the lowest of the low. Like, you know, she doesn't need any of the handicaps and she's the one who's saying, Oh, it's fine. You don't have to be handicapped at home. I don't mind if you're like better than me in mm-hmm. our house sometimes. So, like it, that I feel like that's really interesting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um and There's also some... found it interesting that the man was the I forgot who the guy's name was and Harrison Bergeron, who was the husband? Who was George? George. George Bergeron. George Bergeron was the one that was like, "Oh, hey, that's some logical thinking. I'm going to shut that down." Um, yeah. So, I guess the, that the guy who needed all the handicaps, like he needed, he needed both a handicap for strength and intelligence, mm-hmm. and he was. All he kept shutting her down and being like, "No, I mean, if I get away with it, then everyone will get away with it, and then we'll be headed back to the dark ages." Yeah. So maybe it's the government deciding on who. Well, I, I think this is obvious, but it is the government deciding on what intelligence is, exactly is, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. instilling knowledge to them. Also, yeah. um, strength is that like? I, I'm assuming. I don't, I don't know if it was explicitly strength, but like, couldn't. You, I believe it's. I believe it's. Spe- yeah. yeah, I believe it's weight. specifically okay. athleticism. 
um, that makes more sense. Is what they're is what they're specifically referring to. And yeah. yeah, hypothetically, eventually, it would probably outgrow the weights, and then I guess they would just stick different ones on you. Mm. Yeah, because think about the description of the ballerina about how she was wearing one of the most hideous masks, but had pounds of bird shot just all over her entire body because of how strong she was and how graceful she truly was. Same with Harrison. He bird shot wasn't even enough for him. They covered him in scrap metal as well. So it kind of shows how like forcing equality on a society at some point, there will be a point where there's a breaking point. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And that is my say on it. I have (laughs) absolutely nothing else to add for real this time. Yeah. Um, Last thing I have is I actually wrote down a quote. um, It's something that George said. So it's the minute people start cheating on laws, what do you think happens to society? That's um, that's something to think about. <laughs> I also think it's interesting that that this George, who's so into the way that society is run, his son comes out of nowhere and declares himself emperor, and yeah. basically goes entirely against the way that society is run, and putting himself at the top of a hierarchy that he's trying to create. Yeah. Uh- that is also a good point. Um, yeah, and also I, I did like how um, Carvana get uh, employed some bits of humor, um, like mm-hmm. some lightheartedness with all the cynicism, which I apparently is a trademark of his writing style. Again, I've not read Slaughterhouse Five or any of his other books. I will. Don't yell at me, um, <laughs> podcast <laughs> listeners. Read Cat's and- Cradle before you read Slaughterhouse Five, because Slaughterhouse Five is so yeah. This I, might I've be heard- hot button, but it's overrated. Whoa! I've heard that. Um, like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I've heard that like all of his books are connected in like in a universe because some characters will appear in other books, like as like a major character, some them like a side character, which is really awesome. Mm -hmm. So, I would love to read some more of his works. Um, I I don't I don't know if this is the best representative of his work because you know kind of got mixed feelings on this. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but. I am willing to read the rest of his work because one big share collective universe sounds awesome to me. Um, yeah. <laughs> all right. Well, yeah. Um, I think we've all said our piece. Yeah. On on both of these works, I think, based off of how we've all talked about them, I know Vic said the lottery was pretty dry, but it sounded like yeah. she also enjoyed it somewhat. So yeah, I, think, I enjoyed it. Right. So I think overall, uh, all it's of us would moist. recommend both works. Mm-hmm. Um, if, if, if people want to, haven't read them up until this point and just got them spoiled. They're still very short, so you can read them anyway. They're yeah. classics. Um Justin, do you have anything to add? Isn't next week our a big episode on? It is our book? big episode. Yeah, join us for that on Monday it or is. whenever it gets released. Hopefully, it doesn't get delayed to Tuesday like last time. Let's mm-hmm. hope. Um, yeah, <laughs> do y'all want to tease you'll... what you're reading? I mean, I'm pretty sure anybody who follows us on Twitter at not just any pod mm. will know what I am reading. Um, there's also Emma's coming back. 
Woo. Yeah. I am excited about that. Um, she might she might not be coming back. Uh-oh. Tune in next weekend to see if Emma actually comes back. <laughs> um, uh, but follow us on, if you're not already, follow us on uh, Twitter at NotJustAnyPod anyway, because this week we'll be voting on what uh, the theme for October will be. Uh, spooky month. Uh, yeah. It'll be it'll be some kind of horror related genre or author. Um, but yeah, uh, follow us on social media. Uh, go ahead and rate us or review us or follow us or whatever on whatever rate pod. Stars. Yeah, rate us five stars <laughs> on Apple or you know whatever <laughs> podcasting site you use. Um, it was nice review too. Why not? Why not? <laughs> um, yeah, and yeah, and if you think I know how to close this, you're deadly mistaken. Goodbye, mm-hmm. podcast listeners. <laughs> <laughs>